Everyone's got opinions when it comes to leadership, and let's be honest, how many experts do we all know? But where can we find real leadership advice that's not BS? Well, look no further. Welcome to No BS Leadership, where on each episode, we attempt to expose the gap between what leaders think they should be doing and what actually works without the BS. Listen in as we irritate some, inform others, and challenge all leaders to discover a better path to the leadership excellence we all want. Welcome back, everybody, to season two. Hey, how about that of the No More Leadership BS podcast? I'm Jeff Geyer with Phoenix Coaching, and I'm here with the usual crew. You won't find any better leaders anywhere in the world. And listen, folks, people in New Zealand and India are listening to this podcast. So we are worldwide here. Let's start with the very capable, she's going to have to pull herself off a mute though, Myra Hall. Say hello to everybody at the beginning of season two, Myra. Oh, you know what? It is so exciting to me to know that we actually made it a whole year. It, it, it is because I didn't realize that one of somebody brought it up that last time that most only make it 11 episodes. Yes. And, and we made it all the, we're in season two. Hey, we, we've arrived. So I'm thrilled to be here today to start season two and to celebrate it with four of the best leaders I know. Excellent. Thanks, Myra. And Geyer. So, yeah. For, and, and Geyer. Thanks, Conroy. Just for that, you're going last. Next, uh, Dr. Sam Jennings. Um, a year ago, I think we, even in our anniversary podcast, I said something about we were acquaintances and now we're friends. And Dr. Sam, I consider you one of my, one of my best friends. You are part of the inner circle, my friend. So say hello to the folks today. That's awesome. I'm honestly so glad to be here. So glad to see that we could have a full year of this podcast and what we're putting out into the world. Hopefully we have folks who are hearing it and be able to engage their leadership in different ways. And as we start a new year, I want to make sure that we're all crystal clear that we wouldn't be here at all if not for Myra. She makes the same run. There you go. She does the pictures or anything. She makes yep. it go. And um, yep. eternally grateful. I'm just so glad to be able to have this product put out for everybody to engage with and engage with us. Yeah, that is so true. A standing ovation for Myra Hall. There we go. And next on my screen is my really good buddy, Mr. Jeff Geoff McLaughlin from Professionals at Play. I'm telling you guys, if you are going to work or you're listening to this podcast and you're going to work or going into your business, think, man, this is a drudge, man. It's just hard to, to work. It's, it's, it's not enjoyable anymore. You need to reach out to, to Jeff and uh, let him come in or engage him to come into your organization and teach you the value of play and how you can get that passion back in your life. It's awesome. Jeff, say hello. to well, Hello, everybody. Thank you for that, Jeff. That was incredible. I was just going to say thank you to Myra for making this happen and for Dr. Sam for being brilliant in his wisdom, for you and your, your friendship and Mr. Conroy for being absolutely beautiful on screen. Every time we meet, I'm just kind of a little bit jealous. Yeah, he's that Dr. Sam has a little bit of gray hair. The, re the rest of us have gray hair, except for Conroy. He doesn't have any. So no hair. Um, that's the way it goes. <laughs> and then last, but certainly not least, this I, I put him in the same category as, as the rest of you. A year ago, or maybe even a little more than a year ago, Jeff Conroy was just an acquaintance of mine. And 
And now I, I do believe I could call him any time of the day or night and he'd come running if I, I need him. So, and, and like you, uh, McLaughlin, Conroy's Conroy, uh, although a different venue, his experience has come up in the, mostly on the nonprofit side of the world. But boy, if you want to learn about leadership and how you can go from something that maybe wasn't that great to something that is really great, you need to engage this guy because he knows what he's talking about. Conroy, how you doing, buddy? I am good, sir. And thank you very much. That was a wonderful compliment. I've got to say, I'm still recovering from our, our get together, our anniversary get together, but it was awesome to get everyone around the table and laugh and talk about the last year. And uh, you guys are family. You guys are family to me and I love you guys. I'm looking forward to season two. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Let's get this thing going. How about it, huh? So this time, this episode, what we wanted to talk about and I'll kick it off here is this whole concept of maybe personal responsibility or what I like to call the own it mentality that we have to own the situation that we are in. And, and this applies both uh, personally and professionally. We have to own our situation. Now, th- I can hear people already going, Geyer, what are you talking about? Uh, this guy just mugged me at the 7-Eleven. How do I, why do I have to own that? Why is that my responsibility? And I'm not talking about when people victimize us or we get into situations where we're victimized. That happens and most of the time it's a really bad thing. But what I am talking about is not adopting that victim mentality that there is always something, especially as leaders or owners in a company, there's always something we can do to address a given situation or there was something that we did or didn't do that resulted in the situation that we're in. So that's number one. And then as the leader, we have to own the process. We, we get to decide. And, and there's lots of podcast episodes we could do about what is the process to go through that decision-making thing? What, what things do we need to put in place? What processes can we do? What are the choices and that kind of stuff? So we have to own the process. And then a real important one, and this happens all the time, man, you can, especially in the political arena in our country, we have to own the results that come out of the process. And I, and I won't turn this episode into a political one, but how many times do we see our elected representatives say, it's not anything I did, it was somebody else. And they just don't have that owning mentality. So here's the core concept I, I want to talk about today, that the, if you're in a business or you own a business or you lead a business, or maybe you just lead part of a business or a group or enterprise within that business, the most important thing that you build as the leader, assuming you're not there by yourself, I'm really not necessarily talking about a solo entrepreneur. But if you have um, more than one person in your business, you're no longer in the business, whatever you thought it was. You're in the people business as the leader. So the most important thing you build as the leader is not that product that you manufacture or the service that you provide. The most important thing you build is a culture of success within your team. And that's a pretty big uh, umbrella, but we, one of the best ways to build that culture of success is to have this own it mentality. So Dr. Sam, I'm going to go to you first, if that's okay. Give me your thoughts on what's the mindset necessary to get the culture inside of your business to, to be success. Oh boy, that's easy for me to say successful to, to accomplish the mission and the vision, whatever that is that you're trying to do. Give, give me your thoughts, buddy. Sure. I appreciate you calling me on the first foray here. I think this is an excellent topic because there's just so many things to touch on, but most specifically, when you were introducing the topic, the idea of not having a victim mentality, 
if we were to flip that to a, a more affirmative statement in having an empowerment mentality. There you so go. Yeah. Peter, if we can empower our people to make some decisions, to own their part of whatever it is they're doing and have both accountability and recognition for what they do, then they're in the process. And so as you talk about fostering and leading people to get to a great product, if we're not having that empowerment with our individuals, they're going to do typically bare minimums. And if something goes wrong, hey, I don't know nothing. I just work here. And there's no real engagement and uh, chance for people to flourish through creativity and mattering. So leaders have nothing to lose to give people some room to breathe and think and grow. They have everything to gain. And it's hard to let go sometimes when you think that your livelihood depends on numbers and productivity. But when people are making that happen, you got to turn over some of that responsibility to them and they can then own that part of the process. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And Conroy, I want your thoughts too, that kind of what, what Dr. Sam was talking about there is as a leader to have that mentality of, hey, it's not my responsibility. And the, the truth is, it is your responsibility. And I think when leaders set some kind of cultural tone, and I, I think a lot of times it happens with very little intention, they set this tone where leaders kind of abdicate their responsibility to to build the culture. They just kind of let whatever happens. And, and that I think and, and I know this might be a chicken and egg thing. If they abdicate their responsibility to build the culture of success that they want, they often then see themselves as victims of that result. So I don't know if, if they see themselves as victims comes first and then they get the crappy culture or the crappy culture causes them um, to have that victim mentality. But uh, give me some thoughts on you. I, I know you've taken teams of people that had um, maybe not a very good culture and turned it into a really good one. So Give me some of your wisdom, buddy. Sure. I know you just said a whole bunch of words there, so I'm going to try and decipher what you do. I'll, I'll talk slower next time. No, it's not so much about slower. <laughs> You're using monosyllabic words. Lots of syllables. Anyway, for me, the first thing I want to do is I, I want to look at the different <laughs> generations that I'm working with. I want to work, work, look at the different generations. When you look at the gens, the millennials, the, the, the Gen Zers, they are in a, a faster gratification society. We call it the fast food society. And I didn't want to use the word fast food society, but they want feedback. They want feedback immediately. They want to know how they're doing. So quite honestly, to create that type of culture, you need to have frequent one-on-ones with them, letting them know how they're doing. You want to be authentic with them. You want to tell them uh, what they're, how they're doing. Are they doing well? What can they do better? Uh, give them input and then leave. <laughs> You got to trust them to do their job. You're, you're hiring people to do the job. So to create a culture there is you hired them for a reason, let them do their job, give them the parameters, say, this is what the goal we want in mind. I'm going to let you do your job and not micromanage and hover over them. I think that's really important, especially working with uh, millennials and uh, Gen Zers, millennials and Gen Zers, because they, they want instant gratification. They're going to be with you from two to five years. If it's, it's, you want to pay attention to their, they're very interested in their own leadership growth and how you're working with them. And if you're not going to give them, uh, the leadership growth and the development they desire, they're going to go down the street and find it someplace else. That's my two cents. 
Yeah, so dovetail on that, McLaughlin, if you would, for us. I agree with everything you guys are, are saying that if leaders or when leaders don't accept the responsibility for their team's success, and Conroy just talked about the different generations require different things or certainly need different things. And if the leader isn't providing that or, or doesn't even think it's their responsibility, real easy to, to see where the leader would come to the conclusion that the reason they're not successful is their team is the problem. But you and I know that isn't true. So give me some thoughts there. Yeah, it's interesting. I was listening to Jeff and I was thinking about, I work with a lot of young people. I just did an event and we had uh, a number of, of much younger people than me, people below the age of 30. And we did an event and Honestly, it was hilarious because I thought music from the 80s is really big. And we had a couple of people perform songs from the 80s. And these young people looked at us, the people with gray hair, and went, I don't understand why you guys are going crazy. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, they're just standing there. And we went, that's exactly what it was, though. That was like watching a music video. And they go, what's a music video? Oh and so all, all of a sudden, like there was this massive disconnect going, oh, wait a minute. That's right. They grew up without MTV. They grew up a totally different perspective on music and entertainment and that kind of stuff. When Jeff said that the, it's the fast food generation, it's the immediate feedback. The hard part is at what point do you say, all right, now you're independent. Now you're expected to be on your own. And the feedback has become less and less frequent and you have to become more and more independent. Yes. And there's a very fine line with over indulging the, the need for that instant gratification and finding that, that really fine line between what is enough and what's too much. And so that's going to depend on the environment that you're working in. But if you can set up that environment in, initially in the beginning to say, we want you to be successful. We want you to be independent. You're going to have a team. Here's what the mission, vision, and values. And when they buy into, that's the big one. When they buy into it, then they don't necessarily need all of those little fine point touches because the passion and their drive to be a part of something bigger than themselves is absolutely huge. And we see that with younger generations, they want to be a part of something that means more than paycheck. They want to be part of something that actually provides value to people, that provides uh, a living, that also provides their, their intense interest to them. And when you can provide that with a good corporate culture, with a good group of people that supports that, man, you've got a dynamite team that's just going to rock and roll. They're going to own their behaviors, even if you have to call them out on certain things like, hey, wait a minute, this isn't how we do things here. Here's how we do it. Okay, cool. Let's move on. And it can be that fast. So it's really cool. You just have to learn how to communicate effectively with and understand that they might not know great music because they never heard it before. Sorry, yeah, that. I, had to, I had to get the thing in there. <laughs> we, we did have the best music. We did have the best. I don't know. Maybe a little before, Myra. Huh? What do you think? Maybe a little before. Um, Myra, some of kind of hearing between the lines, what I was hearing Geoff say there is that this really is a process that it's not a single event. You can't hold a um, single training event, say, on this own it kind of mentality or this culture building thing we're talking about. And, and assume it's going to work. It's not an event. It's a process. And I would, we have a tendency to vehemently dis, uh, agree with each other. And, and I'm going to tweak what Geoff just said a little bit and Conroy too. I'm not necessarily convinced that some of this is generational. Yes, generations want different things, 
But, but I even think that maybe some of the tail end of the boomers who are in the, you know, tail end of their careers are, are really searching for more meaning in their work as, a, as opposed to just the money anymore. And that, that might be a whole another podcast, but t- talk well, to us a the, little in the, bit. And the, 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 the boomers are in their mid fifties to what, 75, yeah. 1945 to 1965 or something like 60 that. 60 or so, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I even think, and I'm in that group at the tail end of it. And yeah, you're. yeah I want meeting, meaning in my um, in work too. So I, I think even though there are generational changes that everybody's searching for meaning these days inside their work. So Myra, give me some of your wisdom. I know you've been around the sun a couple of times. Why? Wow, just to get old. <laughs> it's all right. I am old, but I, I have never met anyone that didn't want to make a difference. I, I just haven't met them. They may be out there, but when they are fulfilled and and feel like their work has has meaning, you can have an excellent employee. I and through this whole conversation, I had to think back over my real estate career, and I was never. Um, shy about saying real estate is not what I love. It's just, I got really good at it. I had to do it to support myself. It never gave my life any meaning. It was just seemed to be all about money. Now, some people aren't like that. And I was very fortunate to get people on my team that that was very fulfilling for them. But what was fulfilling for me was helping them to fulfill what they felt was gave their life meaning. And when that went in, in a different direction than I was headed, I had, I, that is when I turned to coaching because that's a very clear path, next step for somebody that was doing what I was. But I wasn't in real estate, just like what you said, Jeff. It's, I wasn't in the real estate business. I was in the building up of my team member business. And in doing so, they were happy for a while anyway. They, but they got very good at what they did. And in, in return, the business prospered until it didn't. I mean, that, but that's another whole story. But there was no victim played there because people were reaching their potential. And when they reach their true potential, they're going to feel fulfilled. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. So in, in today's environment where we do have multi-generational workforce and I think the whole pandemic thing has changed a lot of people's mindsets regarding work and their life and what's important and, and what isn't those kind of things. How can this adopt as a leader, adopting this own it mentality where the circumstances I find myself in, I, I have to take responsibility for that, even though we didn't have anything to do with the pandemic and the process to get out of it and the results and stuff like that. What are some very detailed, concrete steps a leader can take if they're listening to this podcast and going, yeah, I think there's something wrong with our culture and you guys have convinced me that as the leader, I'm responsible. So what do I do next? I think communication's huge. I think communication is huge and I think you need to get rid of the, I'm the leader, I'm responsible and make it a, Hey, we're a team. We're responsible. And two other problems that would include thing one, especially in a pandemic, because I'm really glad you framed it that way. Whatever industry you're in, look around and see who's still standing. 
But what did they do to get through that? Exactly. That's one part. Second part is when you have that voice from outside your own organization can nudge you and push you. One of my favorite phrases is become, you can't read the label if you're inside the box. No matter what you're doing, you can't possibly see all the things that are going on by yourself. Well, that's where we come in, right? The coaches be able to ask some questions and do some digging to figure out what it is that you actually know that you ought to admit it and where's the thing you should be doing that you haven't been. And by should, I mean, that's on your list, but you just haven't gone there. But observing things that work versus bemoaning things that don't will get you a lot further. Yep. And lead by example. Yep. Like start owning your behavior as the leader. If you make a mistake, own it. I made a mistake. That is on me. Here's how I'm going to fix it and move forward. And if you just demonstrate that with your teams and your managers and all that stuff, you should be able to start changing that culture slowly. But again, if you don't like it, what Jeff and Dr. Sam already said is if you're not aware of it, if you don't know it, if you don't, if you can't read the box on the label on the box because you're inside the box, you need to get help. You need to have an outside perspective, whether that's a friend, a coach, a mentor, somebody that's in the industry that's across the country, whatever it is, you got to have that other perspective so that you can get clarity on where you are, what you might be missing, and how to move forward and how to make it the best possible outcome. Perfect. I just want to underline before we wrap this up is something that, that Jeff said to start with is we can be victimized and have no control over the situation. A pandemic's a wonderful example of that. But we choose to be a victim. And by that, I mean you're choosing to blame other things or people or situation for why, for your problems. And I'm going to be real blunt and say get over it because those people will never take responsibility for what's going on in your life. Whoever, whatever, caused the situation, they're not going to take responsibility for you. The only one that's going to do that is you yourself. Yep. Yes, that's really good, right? That, yeah, you can be victimized, but you can't, you don't want to live in that victimhood state. So, so kind of, yeah, to wrap this up, because we're getting um, towards the end, this whole own it mindset, it's, it's really many facets and it's probably not Although we've talked about some of the things you can do, it's probably really not just about what you and your team can do. It's maybe more about what you and your team can be if you're not where you want to be. It, it, I, we're leaving this thing dangling a little bit. What can I want to make sure that people listen to this podcast and there's tens of thousands, right, guys? Ooh. Yay to us that they get a takeaway. What's it? How? And, and maybe the takeaway I'm thinking out loud here. Maybe the takeaway is what we were just talking about, that there's no way for us as leaders, any of us, to know what we don't know. And therefore, we need to engage people that we know, like, and trust and are capable coaches. There's our advertisement. Engage those people to help us identify the things that we don't know. Mm -hmm. Build relationships. Build relationships with your team. Yep. Yeah, something that I guess to, to wrap this up where we started, something that the five of us have done with each other over the last year, right? This is the beginning of season two. We've had a whole year under our belt. This is the 50th episode. And I, I would say that we own what goes on in this podcast. And some of it's been really good and some of it's probably been average. And our goal is to provide an extraordinary love value and help and motivation 
information to the people that are listening because that's what the No More Leadership BS podcast is all about. Clearing out the BS and just getting to what does it take to become an effective leader to get you and your team to the success you want. So we're at the end. So questions, comments, rude remarks. Oh my God. Hey, after season three, apparently we can retire <laughs> off of royalties. This is going to be great. <laughs> Maybe that's television. I don't know. I get confused. So let's wrap her up for Myra Hall, Dr. Sam Jennings, Mr. Jeff Conroy, and Mr. Geoff Jeff McLaughlin. I'm Jeff Geyer with the No More Leadership BS podcast. We hope you have a fantastic week. We will talk to you next week and make sure you own your circumstances, your process, and your outcome. You can do it and we're here to help you. For the No More, wait a minute, I should tell them, if you have a comment you want to make, here we go, send us, send, us, send us an email. Send us an email to ask Please, us. Land the plane. I know, land the plane. Ask us. At leadershipbs.co, our email address, once again, ask us at leadershipbs.co. Until next week. 54 episodes out of this. We're going <laughs> to yeah, edit. We'll see how good she really is, Conroy. That's the thing. We're just testing her. Anyway, for all of us here at the No More Leadership BS podcast, have a great week and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. I love you. Love you guys. Let her that subscribe. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the No Leadership BS podcast. If you have any stories, questions, or comments you would like to share with us, please email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. That's askus at leadershipbs.co. Don't forget to give us a five-star review so we can reach more people. Thank you so much, and tune in next time. We'll see you then.